Welcome back to the Waterboys podcast. My name is Nick. I'm here with my co-host on FaceTime, Josh. You want to care to, you know, care to explain why we're doing FaceTime and Skype? Because I don't have a webcam, but what what do we have outside that you hate the most? Snow. Snow. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not getting stuck in the snow, man. I'm so sorry. I feel bad, but also I was thinking about sky training it and then I almost fell a couple times on my way to the mall today and I don't want to ruin the equipment either. So I'm sorry, Nick. <laughs> Get some boots. <laughs> Fool. <laughs> I'm so scared for the, for, for like the mixer and like, I don't really care the microphone microphone is like an easy replacement, but the mixer, man, oh, that would hurt. <laughs> <laughs> it's your sign to get some boots. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> hey man, maybe maybe just go without anything outside. Just just feet. <laughs> Joshua, you, I, you, I, I, I you can't cease do to boots, me. Man. You cease to amaze me, my friend. <laughs> Shut up. All right. So what are what are we talking today about? We're talking about actually. You're going to be discussing mostly on what you've been observing in the NBA recently, but we're going to dive into the new awards that they just announced. And there's this one award that you've been talking about in which you're interested to see how they're going to measure these statistics. I think it's called the Kia NBA Clutch Player of the Year Award, and it's in the replica of Jerry West, who is deemed Mr. Clutch. But you are interested to see how they're going to record, or sorry, how they're going to measure this clutch metric, correct? Yes. I, I was. I thought of a few ways of how they would measure this metric, or this just to give away this award. But I'm curious as to see if you have any other ways, because in in now how like advanced stats are coming up and. In in my head, I would think immediately people would go to uh, the, what is it, uh, clutch, what is that stat, the clutch points or whatever, the last five minutes to see how they do in those five minutes. I would think that they would use that stat, but then also part of me feels like whoever is voting for this award is just going to go straight for whoever has hit, you know, the most game winners this year or game tying shots can you think of any other ways they could possibly come up with to give this award away i mean alluding to what you said right the last five minutes maybe field goals made in the last five minutes within uh, within a game that's like 10 points or less or maybe they measure how much you scored in the fourth quarter going into a tight game or Maybe they measure how many stops you get during the fourth quarter. It's it's a lot of um. It's a lot of interpretation, to be honest. I mean, clutch could also mean that you block the game winning or game. Or sorry, attempted game winner from someone, or you stole the ball as well, right? Yeah, there's no real specifics of how to come up with. Or how to come up with a way to give this award. Um, 
I'm just kind of thinking at the end of the day, I feel like it's not going to be a sexy player. It's just going to be like one of those role players that all of a sudden is, you know, shot, I don't know, like 70% in clutch moments and probably only had like five shots and hit them all season, right? Just that that's my thinking. I don't think it's going to be like the star that they're going to want or that usually end up getting these awards. I mean... It's going to be hard to measure. It's you measure most fourth quarter, fourth point, fourth quarter points scored. Excuse me. I mean, if we're deciding that right now, who do you think is going to win? Who would be your guess? Oh man, I wouldn't know. Everyone brings up Dame. Uh, <laughs> you know what? And he's I actually mean, not he, on here. He's not on there, damn. All right, tell me who's on there. Who's on that list? I'll tell you, it's uh, it's it's this guy who plays for a team that resembles a deer. Is it actually Giannis? Giannis with 198 points in the fourth. Oh, sorry, scored in the fourth quarter this season. Oh, that's guess interesting. Who, guess oh, who's that's second. just that's just fourth quarter. That's his fourth quarter alone. Huh. Second, is it uh, Doncic? No. Huh. I'll give you a hint. Hmm. It's another team in the East. Another team in the East. Uh, Not Trey Young, right? Not Trey Young. Huh. I'm drawing blanks right now. Who? Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell, eh? Huh. Well, that was a good addition for the Cavs, I guess. But there's just no real way of knowing how the writers are going to vote for this, right? I mean, it's so hard, like, judging from... So 23 games played for Giannis. He scored 8.6 points per game in the fourth in 8.7 minutes so he is basically a point a minute a point a minute and he scored a total of 79 or sorry 71 points total what's his other stats look like in terms of rebounds and assists as a show there oh sorry not 71 points so he has 71 rebounds and 29 assists Hmm. in the fourth he's outpacing everyone else in terms of rebounds well, yeah, I'm not surprised with that one, but but yeah, I, that's just that was I, that just came to my head, and as soon as I heard they were introducing the clutch player award, I was like, how are they gonna how are they gonna vote on this? How will they know who will receive this award? And that's interesting the way you put it in terms of how many points you scored in the fourth quarter. But like I said, it's not always you know fourth quarter isn't always a close game it i would think you they would have to come up with more tedious ways like games within i don't know you know keep it how they do the clutch points right with a game within five points but instead of having the whole five the last five minutes of the game maybe the whole the whole fourth quarter maybe that that way you get more a more broader search for it uh but you you make a good point there with the fourth quarter too. I mean, it could be 
opponent's field goal percentage by a player. He steals. It could be how many shot attempts. Shot attempts that you've, you know, made players not shoot against you or defended the most, but it's it's very broad, the award. Yeah. Oh, it'll be interesting to see how they go around with that. I'm going to move on to our team <clears throat> that we're going to talk about. Your team. Your Pelicans that you've been watching the last few games. Well, I thought you've been watching. Well, you watched a little bit yesterday. What, what did you notice? I mean, the Bucks had a beautiful game plan against them. I mean, build a wall against Zion, which was... It was amazing to see, and I think Zion's got to get ready to see those even in the regular season. So he's going to definitely see it in the postseason. I just think, yeah, they had CJ, yeah, they had Jonas, but I think the Bucks would have lived with anyone else other than Zion getting going. And I get it that Brandon Ingram was injured, but there has to be something else within the Pelicans. This can't be Jonas and CJ taking on that heavy load. It has to be a lot more of the role players. Herb Jones, Trey Murphy III, Jose Alvarado. Uh, what's, what's that guy's name from Charlotte that went over? Devontae Graham? Devontae Graham. Yeah, him too. Uh, who's the guy who got arrested? Chuck Hayes? No, not Chuck Hayes. Uh, <sighs> <laughs> my god nick you're talking about jackson hayes jackson hayes i almost said chuck hayes well, I mean, that, guy's, that guy seems like he's been out of the rotation larry nance uh, jr right larry nance jr he was injured yesterday <clears throat> so they just need all these players to like step up right yeah and then i mean i don't know i when we usually do research on the teams we're talking about. I like to listen to the local broadcast, just pick up on certain points. And they always say this is the deepest team in the in, in the NBA, at least uh, one of the commentators does. And I, I don't know, I just tend to disagree. If you're like, yeah, you can play all those guys, but essentially all, like whatever it is, 10 players or whatever that you're putting on, the court you expect them all to be contributing all the time and consistently at least in my eyes right but i mean some of these guys they appear one game disappear the next it's it's you know a little bit a little bit hard to say that this is the deepest team like yeah you got 10 capable players to play but essentially what are those what are the bottom half going to be doing for you outside of the starting lineup right especially on a team that depends so highly on Zion, right? Zion is basically the point guard in this team. Even when CJ is on the court, I don't know if you've caught up to it, but if you saw in the game, it was all Zion. He had to he had to come up with plays, and he had to try and do some of the scoring, which he didn't really do until... Was it the fourth quarter? I think he only had something like eight or six points going into the fourth quarter, which is a little bit ridiculous. And remember what I told you probably like last week when we were planning on doing this talk? 
I mean, how I told you how Zion is a capable passer, and it's almost like if we were to record hockey assists, he'd be uh, he'd be up there in terms of leading it. I mean, he has a gravitational pull the size of a planet. I mean, he's going to get double, triple. He's just going to see a wall every time he plays. And I've ever since you've noted, or ever since you uh, noted that to me, I've I have noticed that he is very aware on the court, and he does make those right passes. And at that point, it's up to the teammates to finish finish the assist or do another pass to a great field goal or finish the three-point shot i mean in the nba especially in the nba you only have 0.5 seconds to get your shot off almost or maybe a second of a second of a window to shoot and that's considered what they say open but for us it'd be highly contested so that team just needs to stay healthy, and Brandon Ingram is a huge part of that team. He's, but, I feel he's missed quite a bit. I mean, he is that third, or sorry, he is another option that can really give you some problems. Right, like a guy who can shoot that well. They just don't have it. I mean, CJ, he's capable, but he's not always going to be on point. Uh, Valanchunas, uh, man, just let me get this out. Valanchunas is kind of annoying sometimes. I, I, I've always told you. <laughs> let it out. Let it out. Every time I watch him, it's like he king, the creates king of an offensive foul. He, he's like he's like the king of well, and I mean, you also can't really blame the guy too. Maybe maybe whoever's trying to use his pick they go too early right and then that might offset the angle at which he has to be so he can actually create the pick but damn that guy's always creating an offensive foul and it's those are still possessions you lose right those are possessions you lose and potentially end up giving up points on so Valentinus for all he brings on on offense he's he really gets me going with those offensive fouls. It's like, it's always a moving pick. Always, always. And it's just like, you know, just if you're not going to hit the, if you're not going to get the guy on the pick, just let it go. There's no point in causing a turnover. I mean, that's why there's the concept called rescreening, right? You just wait to rescreen again. And it could be a lot of things. Like you said, it could be the angle's not right. It could be he, your man's going too early or maybe you're setting it too late. There's a lot of things. I mean, with screening, it does require a lot of communication as well. Not verbal, but also the eye contact, right? So if I'm looking at you, you're looking at me. I'm waiting for you to set that pick right away. Or not right away, but I'm waiting for you to get in position, set the pick. Then we're going to do our thing at that point. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's one of my pet peeves of this guy. He's he's a good player. When he's on, he's on, right? He can really be on, like we saw against Phoenix in the first half, or even even against the Bucks. I think he he had a pretty decent start to the game too. Yep, he scored all the first quarter points up until up until halfway in, I believe. But they're leaving him wide open at that point. They're living with what they what he was shooting. Yeah, he's he's a he's a real useful player. I think the downside on him is probably 
on defense. I think you and I agree on this. He's, I mean, he's very slow-footed. He's not a Brook. He's not a Brook Lopez who knows how to. Oh no, for sure not. No way. I mean, that guy's Brooke, on a different level. Brook is on a different level. He's slow as well, but he knows how to time his movements, and he just knows where to be at the exact same, like exact point. And it's it's really fun to watch Brook, but with Jonas, it's just. Sometimes he's a little clumsy coming up, you know, coming up to the level of the screen or helping on the screen. And in today's game, right, it's very, like, you have to communicate on the screens, and it's very screen-heavy. Exactly. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, I was just checking through their lineups, which ones were probably the best. So in terms of having probably... Their starting five, which would include Ingram, Jones, McCollum, Valanciunas, Zion. There are plus four. There are plus four point two in terms of points. This is only in hundred thirteen minutes of playing time, which is not that much. If you were to compare other teams, I was checking the Celtics lineup, and I think their second most used lineup was at one hundred eleven minutes. So, right there, you can see that they that health has been a big issue for them this year and there's no hiding it in terms it seems like there's someone's always out i mean yesterday was larry we had zion injured we've had bi injured so it seems like everyone's getting injured but in terms of their best lineup now i think this comes up with the point that we had just made in terms of uh jonas being very flat-footed and really not that great on the de- defensive end. So their best lineup is their lineup with uh, Ingram, uh, Jones, McCollum, Nance, and Williamson, and they have a plus 42.8. And this is only in 18 minutes of play. So you can tell that they, if they can get everyone healthy and they start playing that line, it's a little bit more dangerous just in terms of defense just because everyone can switch on that team. And pretty much almost all of them, you can have them guarding one through five in which they'll be able, well, they'll be capable enough to stay in front of whoever and prevent the, prevent them from scoring. I mean, the last few, I mean, they've had 10 games where they've had Herb or um, the full lineup of Herb Jones. Uh, Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, Jonas Valanciunas, and Zion Williams. They're six and four. That's albeit that's a small sample size, but exactly with their current starting lineup, I mean, it's been a lot of losses. Not gonna lie, it's been four losses ever since the Utah back and back to backs. But do you think they need to tinker with the lineups a little bit more, or what do you think they need to do there? You, you know, they, they, there are things they, they tend to do well. I just think there are small little things that they could do in terms of avoiding to fall in, into certain traps against certain teams, right? Like you said yesterday, or yeah, yesterday, the game yesterday, what did they do to Zion yesterday? They built that wall, right? They played yep. a lot of they played a lot of zone. 
if I'm not mistaken. And they basically wanted anyone else but him to to beat them. And like we were talking about his passing and everything, which is great, right? That other players are capable enough to score. But at the end of the day, in a half-court offense, you want Zion to be the guy who's scoring those points. So, you know, little things that you could do, get out running, right? Don't let that don't let that defense set up, especially when you have Zion, who's such an explosive player. You know, he can he can get up the court quickly. He can attack, and even if he misses, like I'm pretty sure you can get you can get to the line with that guy, right? He's just a physical beast, and anyone who tries to get in his way could easily be a blocking foul or whatever, right? He'll end up at the line. Other things that they do seem to struggle with, and I don't know, I don't know, you tell me, but me seeing these guys play the last few times, they've lost four in a row. Last three games, they had Jordan Clarkson go off, had Devin Booker go off, and you had Giannis going off. And Brooke. And, uh, yeah. And even though those, I mean, especially the latter two, those are like world beaters, right? Those are, those are really great players. But there are things that you should do in terms of trying to give these players different looks, right? Try not to have them look at the same thing and just, you know, you're going to get dominated by them because you keep throwing, you know, just one player at them in which they've already showed you that they're going to beat you with with whoever it is, right? So my problem was, for example, against the Suns, like Booker goes off, he just goes off. And basically no nobody came up with the idea of doubling the guy, trying to get the ball out of his hands until the fourth quarter and then by the fourth quarter game's already out of hand right same thing yesterday Giannis he was he was bullying all of them and wasn't didn't they have didn't he have like Herb Jones already on five fouls and it was like halfway through the fourth quarter so you know certain things like that you would expect to be like you know we'll get the we want the ball out of Giannis's hands but maybe do it during, maybe make these changes during halftime. Then you come out in the third quarter with a different set, get the guy looking at different things. But they've waited till the fourth quarter to do certain things. I just don't get it. And I agree with you. I mean, they let they let a lot of players get hot. I'm sorry. They let the main stars get hot in those four games. 55 from Book, 41 from Giannis. Was it 30, 30 or 31 from Brooke? And how many from Clarkson? I can't remember. Booker Booker goes off. Didn't he get some like 50-something points against him? It was ridiculous. And then I think Clarkson had something like 31 or, or something like that. He had 39. Markinen had 31. There you go. And uh, that that that's another thing for... I feel like for a team who doesn't shoot that many three-pointers, it's almost like you have to be winning in other areas. 
in terms of free throws and even turnovers. I, f- I feel like that's one of it. If you've noticed the Suns, right, the last few years that they've been a really good team, they don't shoot that many threes, but where do they actually make up for it, Nick? That's a great question, actually. They make it up in free throws and and in turnovers, it's... right? They barely make turnovers, and they make sure that they win the free throw battle. And that's the issue with that I've noticed within the last few games with the, the Pelicans is that for as much, I mean, the Jazz, I mean, they got guys that can shoot threes. We've, we've been talking about this since the beginning of the year, right? They got Clarkson, they got Beasley, Markinen. So they got guys who can shoot three-pointers and they can make them. And funny, then you have... Yeah, go Funny ahead. thing to note, Phoenix Sun turned it over the least. They're third ranked in best... Or sorry, they're like the third best team with 13.2. They're also the fifth best team in taking field goals attempted at 91.5. They also take a lot of threes. They're ninth, which is not that... Which is top 10, but they make them at a... 38% clip, which is good for six. Actually, their free throws are the worst this year. It's at 28. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's. Uh huh. Go, go, so, go ahead. Sorry. So, it's a recipe of take care of the ball, take more shots, make more shots, which is pretty simple. Exactly. And I feel in these last few games, they've proven to not be able to do that. It seems like there's a lot, there's been a lot of turnovers. They're not getting to the free throw line. And that's that's another thing, and it might not be to their own doing because I feel Zion is getting the LeBron James treatment in terms of fouls. You know how LeBron usually, if it was any other player in the league, they would most likely get the foul, but he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt for it. I feel like they treat the they treat Zion the same way. And it it sort of does mess with them because there are times where you're just like, how did Zion not get that call? You know, but like I said, if if you're not winning in those other if you're not winning in those other categories, I feel like this is what's going to happen to to the to the Pelicans. They're just going to end up in bad spots and they're going to end up losing games. I mean, to your three-point statistics about them, they are the was it? they are the twenty-seventh ranked team in terms of taking three-pointers. They only take about thirty per game, and they're twenty-first. Twenty-first in making threes. Twenty-first in making threes. Wow. So I checked that stat. I think it was like last last week at the beginning of the week, and they were they were top 10 in terms of making them. So you see what these last few games have done to to that stat, to them, right? I mean, they're the second best team in forcing steals at 8.7. But they do turn it over at a higher rate at 15, 15 turnovers per game. So that's a little bit worrying. Yes, exactly. So those, those are what I've noticed from them, Nick. I don't know if you have anything else to add to this. I mean, they are an interesting case. I think they're still a top, upper, they're upper half team. They're more of a top four seed within the West. But Nuggets are waking up. Suns found, found their stride. Clippers have found their stride. And the Kings are there too. And then first place, who's first place right now then? 
for first place in in the West. They beat the Grizzlies, and the Grizzlies have haven't had their big three play together yet or play for extended amount of time, which is kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah, No, but I mean, essentially this team is still learning, right? But, you know, progress isn't always linear. So even if they take a step back, but it'd be nice for them to maybe get out of the first round this time. I, I, I think they'll be fine. As long as Bi comes back and he he plays for a long stretch, I feel I think I he'll think, be fine. I think it's going to be Suns and Pelicans first round. That'd be so sweet to see. Also, I like how I like CJ's uh, mentality, especially after they and during that seven game win streak they had, they had beaten the Suns and the second of the back to back. And he gets interviewed, and he, they're like, uh, I think the reporter asks him, oh, uh, is this a rivalry now? And CJ had, I feel like, the correct answer in which he's like, we haven't won, we haven't beaten them yet, so until we beat them, it's not a rivalry. I, I like the mentality. I like the mentality, too. And He's not wrong, either. He's not wrong, and with this Warriors struggling this year, I think the West is wide open. Yeah, for sure. There's, I mean, that. who even knows what's going to happen with the Warriors if Curry doesn't come back in time, right? Like, they literally got to be 500 in this stretch without him. Otherwise, they're in big trouble. I mean, they're in trouble now. I mean, this is a fun year to watch NBA, right, Josh? Yeah, it's super even in the West. The East is just a juggernaut. It, it's so entertaining to watch, man. I think that concludes our segment for today. We're actually right on 30 minutes. So you didn't blabber on this time. So I appreciate <laughs> that. But it's always a pleasure to get together with you. I think next time we'll do it at my place so I can actually see your face live. Cause yeah, I know you miss my beautiful face. I know you <sighs> miss it. Can I get delusional for 500, please? (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, it's always a pleasure, Josh. I think you were spot on with the analysis with Pelicans. It's still a young season, but we're we're almost halfway through it. They're still an exciting team, despite their flaws. This is what we call growing pains. The East and the West is wide open this year. You got three juggernauts in the East. In the West... There's only four games that separate from 1st to 11th, I think, which is insane. That's stupid crazy. (laughs) Even our Lakers are in it, if you think about it. Not with that AD injury, they're not, bro. You talk about delusional. (laughs) We can't get that (laughs) way, yo. (laughs) As always, Josh, this is Nick, Josh, from the Waterboys podcast. Join us next time. You're going to hear Josh ramble on about another team and some other statistical analysis or whatever he's doing. (laughs) I I always enjoy it. We'll see you next time. I'm out of here. All right. See you, Nick.